Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. Now, first with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? All right. And also with us, we got Tone. What's up, y'all? For the first time on the podcast, we got my nephew, KDZ. What's up, guys? A little bit uh, behind the scenes, even though it's his first time on the podcast, KDZ is a valuable piece of this podcast, because what a lot of you guys don't know, he's friends with Six Foe Swaino. So without him, we don't have the intro music that he, he lets us use his music in the intro. And honestly, we got like real popular music. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Most shows' intro music sucks compared to ours. It is a little disturbing sometimes because I do all the research, all the editing, and I do all this. And the first people thing people always say is, yeah, that music's dope. Like, I'll call the one thing I had nothing to do with. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, smell that dope when I pass <laughs> yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. yeah, local artists, you guys go follow him on Instagram. Yeah, uh, you can subscribe to his YouTube, follow him on Instagram. He puts out a ton of content. He's really talented. Always support the local artists. We also got uh, Cancer. He does our song in the mid-roll, Blood. You can find him on Instagram at Eyes Bleed Defiance. Uh, so you can check that out. He does like his graphic art. He did our cover art. You can find all that there. Today, we're going to try this again. We tried the Rocks Terramana one time, and it did not go over very well. But we also just did shots of it, and none of us are big tequila drinkers. So we discussed before, my wife's a real good bartender. So we got these drinks today. We use the Rocks tequila, and they're called, uh, the drink's called a Paloma. So it's not quite a margarita, but it's a margarita-style drink. You guys, I didn't try mine yet. You guys tried yours? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. good Carbonated, got some lime slices in it. Oh, yeah. That's a much better version of the the tequila than the straight shots. Well, you touched that we're not tequila guys, so a a shot of the best tequila to people that don't have an affinity, a taste for it. Like, we're more bourbon whiskey guys. The Terramana is a real good tequila, but this drink's pretty good. It almost is um, not as sweet, but it's a little bit margarita-esque, but a slight carbonation, like a yeah, seltzer yeah. drink. Yeah. It's real good with the lime and the salted yeah. rim. And That's what I like is I margaritas like are good, but they're a little too syrupy. Sour and sweet, like a sweet and sour. I almost. mean, yeah, like I like little sweet drinks like this. Bourbon's okay, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually a tequila guy. I like Patron a lot. You know, I like the stuff with the Anejo in it. Especially the extra Nejo, the red box. Go get some of that for sure. Well, so so now I know. Next time we got to try out some tequila. That's a KDZ show. KDZ shot, <laughs> yeah. Today's episode's also uh, being recorded in front of a live studio audience. Yes, we have members here <laughs> in the audience. Yeah, we got another guest here, guys. We also all got some beers. Yes, J-Bone, since yours is the most fitting. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, uh, I... On the show, I went with quite a few chiladas. I didn't know Tecate had one. I um, went with uh, Tecate Michelada Diablo, so it's a little bit spicy. It's not the just standard console in line. It's good Mexican beer. It, it transfers into a good chilada going with this Mexican drink, so it, like they do complement each other. And we didn't even do that on purpose. No, yeah. I just picked a chilada because it's one of the... It's For me, as the fans probably noticed, it's either real shanty or... 
chilada. Like I like the summer. I like them seasonal. So would you say that's better than like the Modelo chiladas? Got much uh, more of a crisp yeah, taste or on the yeah, on like the it. spicy one, but like I do like the Modelo, just the plain, like the yeah. one with just salt and lime. Mm-hmm. They make a better chilada, but the spicy okay. one, this one's better. I did not not denounce, but I shit on Butt Wiper a lot. But Budweiser has a pretty good chilada. You know okay, I mean? yeah, I never tried that one, so I'm gonna have to try it next time. Tone, what you got? I got a Camper from a Big Lake Brewery, local beer. Yeah. You're pretty much an IPA drinker, right? That's what you go with most of the time. Yeah, there's just so many of them. Man. <laughs> every every time I go back, it's just different kind. So. so you just keep rifling through them, man. Yeah, this is a pretty good one. It's uh, it's not too bitter. Nice. My uncle's over there. You know, he's got the teddy bear brew. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, I've been watching my figure. You know, the quarantine hit me pretty hard. So I've been trying to go with like uh, light beers, but these seltzers are fucking killing me, and I don't like drinking. You know, just the Budweiser all the time or Mick Ultra. But Shorts Brew's been a lifesaver because they got a whole variety pack of low-calorie, low-carb beers. It's Shorts Brew. It's called Furry Buddy. It's a light stout, so it's good because I get that feel of drinking a craft beer, but without the, it's not like eating a fucking bowl of pasta in a can and shit. But it's not that different either. Well, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. note to Shorts, would Fuzzy Buddy not be a... Fuzzy <laughs> Buddy. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, KDZ, what do you got? Uh, I got my Paloma, but um, I'm also drinking the Schwartz Brew. It's a local light. It's an American lager, but uh, yeah, it's Michigan brewed, so you guys should check that out, definitely. Drink-wise, we try to keep it local as much as possible. Music, support local artists, you know, support local companies and shit. Potato chips, farming, anything <laughs> locally. Better made, better <laughs> made, guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy that we're covering today is David Robinson. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. The Admiral from the Spurs? (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. Chippy. Oh, he was Chippy, Chippy. son. Now, I couldn't find an origin to the nickname Chippy. The closest I found had something to do with fish and chips. (laughs) It went from fish and chips to Chippy. I couldn't quite confirm that, so I didn't want to put fish and chips up there. But he was usually pretty much referred to as Chippy. So that's pretty much why I'll be calling Mr. Robinson. is Chippy Robinson. Yeah, that could be a good name, you know, a little, you know, fish and chips. We've got Chippy. Right. Check them out. Well, one thing <laughs> you find out, we find out with a lot of these gangsters, though, as stupid as the nickname may be, we start covering the story, and at some point you realize, like, oh, well, no wonder. Ass. Yeah, you can go by whatever the fuck you want when you're a stone-cold fucking badass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Old chip off the block. So he was born David Robeson in 1897 in the predominantly Irish Northside Baden neighborhood of St. Louis. As we see a lot of time, these old-timey guys, 1897, we don't even have a date. Just round about 1897 <laughs> sometime. Well, the birth certificate thing, that's yeah. the beginning stages of that around that time. Um, real quick, that area he's from, is that like Egan Rat's territory? That's the uh, exact territory. He was average-sized, blonde hair, blue eyes. And by the early 1910s, while still a teenager, he began running with the Egan's Rats gang. Okay. Like so e- Egan Rats is like a like a popular, like, what is it, like an old school clan back in the day? Like little gangster? The mind? South's version of an outfit okay. is the best way to put okay. it. Um, they were Irish gang. When it comes to the mob, we always think of Capone and the five families. Oh, but yeah. there's all these little areas that have different random fucking gangs. Like, right? Yeah, different ethnicities and, and stuff moving like that, things, so. everything was trucked or trained at this time. Okay, like, yeah. So yeah, old school then, definitely. Right there in the middle of the, right in the middle of the country <laughs> in the Midwest, like, hey, you guys run this and we all make a little cheese off of it. 
It sounds like a terrible name for a gang, like nowadays being part of the your gang being called like, the rats. Yeah, if you're a rat, like you're a rat, like you're a snitch, or however you know. But in 1890, goes, so. rat might have not had that yeah, connotation then, yet because rat ratting each other out wasn't a big thing because that predates your FBI. That predates there wasn't a lot of federal turn. There was no RICO acts. There was no federal people turning over. You know, at this time they're calling each other squealers and shit like yeah. that. Motherfuckers you know? had yeah, honor yeah, too. Yeah. Like it meant something to like if yeah. Tone Capone got caught, he. He's going to go do his 20 years that we don't worry about if he's going to rat to get out early. It's not yeah. a thing. So, and how they became Egan's rats is the guy that started it, his name was Thomas Egan. Now he ended up dying pretty young of some rare disease or whatever. But at one point him and a bunch of his guys got arrested. And while they were in jail, the constable said, yeah, there's him and his whole gang of rats. His name was Tommy Egan. Yeah. From so, uh, like, power. Yeah. What's that? The dude from power's name is uh, Tommy Egan in that show. Wasn't what what the white, I, the white dude? Yeah, the white dude. Yep, in power. Yep, and that's a really good show, actually. Yeah, you know, I didn't get hip to it, you know, until after the seasons and everything were over. But yeah, no, Fifty Cent and them, they did a good job on that. Yeah. I've never seen Power. You Me either. It. I thought you guys, man, when you said the white dude, I thought you guys said powder. Like no, powder. Yeah. <laughs> that, real, powder. <laughs> that real bright gentleman from back in the day. I'm like, damn, you guys know, like, you know that's your shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, no. yeah, you know that with the white dude? Like, yeah, they are talking about that glowing white dude. Like, what the fuck? No, but it's crazy. Like, in that show, you know everything, you know, like, 50 yeah. Cent, like, obviously, you know, he loves Eminem, always been real cool with him and everything like that. So, like, for him to have, like, the main character that was, like, the realest dude in the show, like, to be a white guy, I... You know, a dude's badass. Fucking hothead, man. You just you don't piss him off. You don't get on his bad side. He's one of them guys. Like so, one of these old school gangsters. You don't get on his bad side. You got to be to worry fair, about. Powder was the same way. You don't yeah, fucking. <laughs> so Chippy committed his first murder on August 18th, 1918, when a man caught him in the act of burglarizing a gas station. Uh, shootout ensued. Chippy was hit before killing the man, and no charges were ever filed. They got like an age on that? It's 1918, so he'd have been 21. Oh, 21. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, still a young dude. Outside of his criminal history, not a whole lot's known about him, except there's like three things. He was an excellent marksman, and his only real hobby was tar- target shooting. Okay. He was a likable, respectable guy, but he was also known for his real bad temper when he started drinking. And the last thing was he was known to really love drinking. Okay. Oh, so he's like a well-known alcoholic type guy. So, right. yeah, anytime he went out, you already knew there was problems. That's every American <laughs> black or white male adult back in from 1890 till 1950. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm a pretty much of a prick dickhead dude, and then give me a little couple shots, and I'm beating the old lady, kicking the kids. I'm just, yeah. that's me. He was such a prick when he was drinking. For fun, he would sometimes empty his guns into the feet of lower-ranking members to make them dance. Okay. I mean, that's his own gang members. So he was an emperor. He was an emperor. Like, yeah. Go ahead, do this for me, guys. Put on the show. That's little Queen Joffrey shooting arrows at hookers. (laughs) You know what? I'm bored. He mostly specialized in muscle work and armed robberies, but he decided he needed to get involved in other rackets besides armed robbery. So he started putting together plans for curry and messenger holdups and jewelry store store burglaries. Basically, still the same thing. Well, he's leaving the brick and mortar tradition. You know, he's catching (laughs) like bike. Couriers yeah. and whatnot. It's still armed robbery, but it's a different. Yeah, catch them on the street instead of having to run it up in their buildings. Probably a safer yeah. way to do it. It's a, there's no Wall Street at this time. It's his variant of uh, white collar crime, if you will. Chippy pulled off a robbery at a large Jack Daniels warehouse. There's actually a big Jack Daniels distillery in St. Louis, and he pulled off a major robbery there, and they made a huge profit. 
It was so successful that uh, he went back a month later and did it again. This time, drank his barrel of whiskey and beat yeah. the shit out of everybody. <laughs> wasn't so a, easy, it wasn't guy. a good month for his wife and his kids. Yeah. Time, but... Oh, Jack said, hey, we're going to move number seven out of St. Louis then because <laughs> these guys are just walking up here once a month and taking barrels. Now, by the time Prohibition rolled around in 1920, he was real close friends with William Dinty Colbeck. Now, Dinty Colbeck was second in command of the Rats. He was a World War I vet, a crooked small-time politician, and also a master plumber. It's a, it's in 18-whatever, or <laughs> early 1900, that's a real good skill set, though. We're Back just in coming in from the out, even down there in St. Louis, big industrialized American cities. We're still just coming in from the outhouse, you know, so plumbing's a real huge thing. It's like, like a master carpenter now or a, a finishing carpenter that does, like, real fine cabinetry and shit. Mm-hmm. That's what that skill would have been to you back yeah, then. Yeah, way back in the day. You were paid off knowing your plumbing back then. Like, oh, you yeah. still are. It's yeah. still a good, great trade, but, like, now I got my distillery up in the mountain. I want you to run me some copper popping. <laughs> yeah, run me some like, copper you know. popping. And especially when I can bring in a little bit of money from robbing you, or I could, you know, take a bribe to pass some shitty laws, or I could come unclog your toilet. I mean, whatever you need, really. We could Put these mines together, we'll get a swimming pool full of moonshine, and yeah. fuck them all. Uh, around this time, Chippy also got married to a lady named Mabel. And then it turned out the timing of him robbing the Jack Daniels facilities, it worked out real well with Prohibition because it gave the, the Rat Gang like a real jump started to Prohibition. You know what I mean? They had a ton of liquor, they had distribution channels and stuff. When everybody else was trying to figure out how are we going to get into it, they were already like, well, sh- we got a we got a warehouse we rob once a month and shit. You know what I mean? We, we're solid. And it's hard to overlook the importance. Like I say, back then, everything was trucked and shipped. So, like, just north of St. Louis is Chicago. Just northeast of it is New York. And then anything that we were going to let go out west, you know what I mean? They It's but like back in the day, Toledo being such a big thing, like when everything came across the water. That was a big port. Like, that's why we right. fought for that, you know, right. like here. Like, you know it was, like, old school because you can hit the same spot multiple times and every go for, like, yeah, that don't work out now. Well, yeah, Chipster, like, said, hey, you know what? Let's walk back down to Jack Daniels and hit that mother. I'm not even drunk enough. Let's walk back down there and hit that again. We'll get another barrel or two. We'll be all right. You go hit a place now, like, there's going to be 10 armed security guards out there or some Rottweilers, whatever. They're like, hey, man, let's walk back down there. Fuck it. Or, or they're at least looking for you no. so that you have to lay low for a minute. You can't just... You'd have to, like, move to a different city. And that fucking... picture don't do it justice. His fucking little one-room house is, like, right here next to this. <laughs> Guess we're going next door again, guys. Uh, one major difference between St. Louis and other cities is that the Irish gangs, especially the Rats, they worked well with local mafia factions. Their biggest beef was with the other large Irish organization. which It was known as the Hogan Gang, which was led by a guy named Edward Jelly Roll Hogan. He was also a corrupt politician and saloon keeper. You know why they called him Jelly Roll? I was just about to ask. Because of his belly? Yeah, right. Because he was fat. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like they call Boss Hog, Boss Hog. You got to be a fat fuck to be a gang leader, a corrupt politician, and they're still calling you fucking Jelly Roll. Right. The beef between the Hogan gang and the Rats gang, it all came to a head when there was a a Jewish gangster named Max Big Maxie Greenberg. He ripped off William Egan for a shipment of whiskey. They put out a failed hit on Max Greenberg. And he decided to catch on with the Hogan gang and use them to set up a hit on William Egan. On October 31st, 1921, they killed William Egan in front of the salon he owned. 
So like with that, where they did them like that, was it like a money shortage where they got down on them, or you know, like counterfeit money, anything like that. It just says it ripped them off on a shipment of whiskey, so it could have been you either sold them bad stuff, took the money and ran. Like it, there's a million different ways. Yeah. Prohibition is still young; they're still figuring it out. So we're all hitting trucks. I might have hit his truck, and then you tell me that was that was the rat's truck, like, and I'm <laughs> like, well, fuck them. I'm not paying them for that. When William Egan dies. William Dinty Colbeck assumes leadership of the Rats. Now Chippy's best friend slides into the number one position, so he's kind of moved his way up towards the top. The death of William Egan sparked a war with the Hogan gang that lasted for years, with Chippy Robinson operating as the primary gunman and enforcer. They engage in open warfare and shootouts on the streets, often endangering local citizens, and the Hogan gang basically caught the worst of it. One of their primary enforcers, a guy named Luke Kennedy, was gunned down by Chippy, on April 17, 1922, uh, another one of their top gunmen, a guy named John Doyle, was shot and killed by St. Louis police after a high-speed chase. And both of these guys were assumed to be shooters on the William Eaglin hit. Okay, yeah, so you got all these shooters and the, everything with the guns and stuff, so they never get, like, get caught with illegal shipments of the guns or anything like that? No, uh, they didn't even really start doing a lot of, like, forensics on guns and, like, uh, ballistics and stuff like that until, like, the late 20s. So you could just shoot someone wherever, and if nobody's seen you, no, I you were good. Yeah. yeah, you just, you know, as long as you ran far enough away, you were <laughs> good. Or even if someone did see you, if you could convince them to say that they didn't see you, or that the would other, do the trick too. It, it's yeah. small towny enough the other way too, like where me and him shoot you, he sees it, but we have ten of his family members. So right. yeah, we you didn't see yeah, shit, we didn't right? See <laughs> yeah, we didn't see anything. We're coming. Dinty Colbeck and Jelly Roll Hogan, they both had drive-by shootings on their house on back-to-back nights. You know, you talked about how close it is to Chicago. They went real Chicago-style with their gang wars. You know what? We're just going to shoot people on the street and shoot up their houses and in the middle of the day. And to piggyback on the no forensic, there's no, like, now detectives will be looking into all this crap back then. That's like... Yeah, no hey, hair man, follicles. Nobody no... was up walking down the street at 3.30 in the morning and see somebody <laughs> shoot your house. How are we going to find these people? Yeah. Well, they walked right back across the street to their house. Oh, nobody's seen it, so it didn't happen. Yeah, dude had a trench coat and a freaking top hat on. That's all mobsters back in the day, so... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think he was an uh, Irish guy. Well, that narrows it down to most of East St. Louis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> That's all the Rats, Hogan's, and all the other people that are just civilians in these towns. Like. <laughs> We've now established that both gang leaders on both sides are corrupt politicians themselves, so that probably makes it a little bit easier, too. Definitely you, makes it hard when they're no running the city around I mean, you, a lot so. of these old ones that touch into the South or Midwest, too, like you'll find... Oh, he was in bed with, he was partners with the sheriff of the next town over, and they had a moonshine business. Especially with alcohol. You know, stuff gets a lot grosser when they start talking about, like, drugs and heroin and stuff like that. But, I mean, honestly, alcohol, especially early 20s, everybody was wanting to drink. So they were almost like, well, fuck it. If they're only shooting each other, and I can still drink, I don't give a fuck. Well, you flash forward to modern times, like, when they shut all that crap down for the Rona. Like, they said, you know what we're going to do, though? Only medical people, only hospitals. And liquor store. You know how, like, you could have bought, like, some hooch, like, during the Rona lockdown? Like, hey, man, I got a case of E&J. Like, it would have been, like, you had a case of Louis the Fourteenth or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got $200 fifths of E&J? Like, I'll take one. I don't want to, but I'll take one. <laughs> Tell a <laughs> motherfucker they on. can't drink. Even the people that don't drink want to drink now. Yeah, don't let us get in the drought. I'm going to be selling E&J fifths, man. $50 a piece. So, like, what he's saying, though, like, a lot of cops would be involved because they, it's it's a victimless crime. Like, hey, man, everybody wants to get drunk, kind of the national pastime in 1920. Oh, the government wants to take it away from you? No. No. 
eventually, you know, when the violence starts getting to like a crazy level, there's a local priest. His name was Monsignor Timothy Dempsey. He arranged a sit down with both gangs and uh, they signed a peace treaty on June of 1922. As soon as the peace treaty was signed, immediately a large escort of armed uh, Hogan gangsters uh, accompanied Big Maxie Greenberg via train to New York, where he would operate there under protection from local gangsters safely away from the rats. After the treaty was signed, uh, Egan's rats dominated the bootlegging in St. Louis. But Chippy continued to antagonize the Hogan gang. One time after committing an armed robbery, he left an anonymous tip that it was the Hogan gang, which led to Jelly Roll and most of his guys getting arrested. (laughs) No, they all got off due to lack of evidence because they didn't actually do it. <laughs> they just blamed <laughs> All the blames on I him. will show up in court and testify to that. Yeah. <laughs> September 2nd, 1922, he chased a Hogan gang member down the street with a handgun, uh, eventually shooting his eye out. Damn. During the peace treaty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's out the window. Little things like that would end the peace treaty and, hey, the war's back on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clearly Chippy's not good with peace treaties. <laughs> like, what? I just chased him down the street with a gun, dude. It's just a piece of paper, you know, with my word on it, but it's okay. I don't see Chippy staying around for too long. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll have to get as much to the well, story left to, at this point. In this life, when we agree to peace, it's in the name of making tons of money together. If you still want to be Chippy enough to be Chippy, <laughs> like, hey, well, then we just eliminate that one problem and we're right back to making money, right? So, final straw was February 21st, 1923. Chippy ambushed and killed uh, the Hogan's gang's lawyer. Uh, (laughs) That's like killing the Army's medic, bro. You don't hit him there. You (laughs) don't hit him there. That guy has a red cross on his fucking helmet. Now he's really about to snitch on him. For some shit they didn't do. After after Chippy kills a lawyer, the treaty was officially off, and gangland shootings started to terrorize St. Louis. This time when the war kicks back on, it's really escalated. Hogan's house was shot up twice again, and then there was a high-speed car-to-car gunfight in which a, a vehicle hit and crippled a 12-year-old boy. Now, there's a lot of public outcry. Community it, outrage. Yeah. So then the politicians that aren't the crooked politicians right. running the gangs, the other guys, they got to start doing something. So they started the process of activating the National Guard, and they made inquiries into uh, what were the process of bringing in the United States Marines, too. Kind of touching on some right-now times, man. Damn. Yeah, martial law coming into play. Once they got ready to bring in the National Guard, the priest again arranges another sit-down. This time they're accompanied by police officials and a reporter from the St. Louis Star. So they sit down, they sign another peace treaty. This time it ended with Colbeck and Hogan both writing letters to the public, and it was published in the Stars announcing that the war was over. When you know like you can put yourself in the papers and get away with the crime you just did, you're well, yeah, I'm sure one of the key members, the editors of this newspaper, is in the gang somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides an unprovoked attack on Jelly Roll's life on September 1923, there's no further violence between the two gangs. That could be the internal power play, though, because even right now, it's not as common, but you might have peace times and then the boss is getting taken out because it's internally we're conspiring to take the leader out because one of us wants the, the, the throne. Well, and that definitely could be it because you see it didn't fire the war back up. Right. So that, that might have been... Internal I mean, conflict or something. Yeah, they are gangsters. Yeah. They don't have glass ceilings. Like, that's how you get promoted. There's never, like, well, he got to be 95, passed away. Now you're number two. It's like, hey, got to take out Big Jim, or I got to take out, you know, if I want my spot on the throne, I got to take the guy that's yeah, sitting yeah, there put out. that work in, definitely. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhellotothebadguypodcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube, and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. All right, and we're back. Jabo, you talking about diplomas? Yeah, I just it's... wanted to say, like, um, um, they were presented. I didn't really get the difference. What makes it not a margarita, and what I don't like about margaritas is the pre-mix, like your Cuervo and stuff. It's too sweet and syrupy. This actually, the main liquid in here is Sprite. With, with squirt. That, squirt. With that little bit of tequila. Squirt's like a grapefruit lime flavor soda anyway, so it really complements. It goes well with uh, vodka or tequila. I don't like the taste of pure just shots of tequila, and the best margaritas are even too sweet and syrupy for me. So you guys at home look into the Paloma. It's real easy to make at home. Like I so think it's it, like the, the citrus yeah, that kills it, so right. it makes it real good. No, it it's does. It's just straight tequila and uh, squirt. Yeah, yeah, tequila and squirt well, and lime. So you take tequila, squirt, and lime juice, and then you like salt the rim and you garnish it with a lime or whatever. I don't know why, but I drink tequila all the time. Never... Uh, I've never heard Mixed of this. Squirt. I don't drink squirt, though, so probably. <laughs> I was mentioning, like, me and Freddie, uh, like, we made this drink with Crown Royal mm -hmm. and just added squirt in the lime wedge. Didn't salt the rim or nothing, but uh, I really, we, we just called it, like, a summertime citrus thing or whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> summertime citrus thing? Yeah. <laughs> real, real complex name. <laughs> you could tell me and Diddy thought of it, so... You might want to workshop that, bro. Yeah. yeah that's no, but it's real. Bad, eh? It's good. It's just simple. It's so simple, too. All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, so we left off. The Egan-Hogan War was over. Dinty Colbeck's in charge. And basically, after taking the lead in the war, Chippy's kind of like, he's the go-to guy. Now, they had bootlegging completely under control. So Chippy got to focus back on his specialty, which was armed robbery. He sets up some capers. I, it's the 20s, so at the time, it was probably a caper yeah. that he was setting up. On April 2nd, 1923, he organized a robbery of a mail truck where they got away with 2.4 million in cash and bonds. 
even back then, that long ago, it's a federal fucking entity. <laughs> so I'm sensing, I, I'm going to let you finish the story, but I'm, you don't you know kill judges, coming. you don't kill cops, and you don't hit federal shit. That's where... Well, the government's a, a gang in itself. So well, they it's are. Just they like are. hitting another gang. You but know, that's the same thing. If we're in Sicily and we're it's like a little Gamora gang, we're not fucking <laughs> trying to fucking... Uh, Spit at the La Cosa Nostra. Right. Yeah. Except they the biggest gang. So. Oh, yeah. You fuck with them. <laughs> yeah. You're done with. <laughs> yeah, they're like batting a thousand, too, right. man. <laughs> they they really are. They're, yeah, you started with their A gang. Like, no, they're the gang. They put their shit on TV. You step out of line, you see Mr. Kennedy right on the <laughs> right. street. Like, blam! Two months later, they rob a local coal company's payroll from a local train station. Caught the payroll coming in on a train. Oh yeah. Uh, so when they got that 2.4 million cash and bonds, that's 36 million today. So that was a lick. I probably would have called that a career, right? Yeah. 2.4 million. I mean, you still got to whack that up a couple ways, but it's fucking 1923. I mean, you can go, you know. Well, I didn't want to harp on Chippy when you said he's like a second ago when you're like he's getting back into his main thing now that we got the bootlegging and that lockdown. I'm going to go back to something that's more dangerous like as far as getting us caught up and making a lot less money, but it's my specialty. <laughs> if you're just knuckles, like, hey, come, we're in a multi-million dollar thing now. We don't need you out there beating up people. Please come <laughs> back in. The coal company job gets him 54000 which is like eight hundred grand. But now he gets to a point, his drinking his temper gets to a point where even like his closest associates, and, uh, like his close associates, best friends, were hesitant to be around him. Uh, May 26, 1923, him and two other gang members went to a resort in Illinois. One of the guys was named Joe Powderly. He was a real low-level associate. And Chippy gets all drunk and says, you know what? I'm planning to kill you. So the guy tries to get up and run, and Chippy shoots him before he gets to the door. But now they're stuck in this Illinois resort with his body. Chippy drove him back to St. Louis. He put him in the passenger seat, propped him up with a hat and cigar, Weekend at Bernie style? <laughs> and fucking Holy told him jokes and stories all the way back to St. Louis. So Illinois got resorts. Kind of like when you go to like the Catskills in New York, all these little... But resorts, out. like, not today's where the, you got the 300-foot waterside resorts, like bathhouses, and you could get Schwitz. They have, like, tennis courts and stuff, but, like, okay. a resort today is wild. Right, like, when you, for that's us what I think. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, like the sandals or, thing, right. like, where... <laughs> There's 18 swimming pools, fucking the cruise that ships pull up. Like brand new. So. Right, so you're thinking sandals. You got to think like Dirty Dancing. Gotcha. And fucking nobody puts fucking... Chippy in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Later that year, he goes out partying with an unaffiliated safe cracker. He's a guy named Billy Grant. They all go out together. It's Billy Grant, his partner, and his wife, and Chippy. Chippy gets real drunk. Billy Grant says something that pissed him off and got him offended. So he pulled out two guns and he robbed them before killing all three of them in front of a nightclub full of people while laughing. By 1924, the Egan's Rats, they basically, like, their gang is completely unraveling. They're infighting. Chippy's in charge of half this shit. The gang's a fucking disaster. They start falling apart. One of their gang members, while serving time, heard that they were planning to kill him. So he decides to turn state evidence. Uh, November 15th, 1924, Dinty Colbeck, Chippy Robinson, and four other rats were convicted of robberies of both the mail truck and the coal company, and they were sentenced to 25 years in federal prison. <laughs> so that rat finally became a real rat. <laughs> when they were about to kill him, was he already known for, like, ratting on people? That like don't sound those... like it, because didn't you say he found out in prison? So he was there doing his bit without rat. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, why were they trying to get him? No, so... I, to me, I, I'm getting a different sense that since Chippy was just out of control, like a drunk totalitarianism guy, like... 
he wasn't running it right, they could have wanted to kill this guy because he yeah, was man, off a couple he didn't shots. Have, and he yeah, he didn't want to have yeah. a drink with me last night until four in the morning. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. I don't yeah. know the ins and outs, right. and because innards of that story wouldn't be a newspaper, we'll never really know the true story. But probably a combination of both. But I doubt. The guy had a problem for previous ratting if he was doing a bit. You know, he was already in prison. So, gets 25 years in federal prison. So, he got away with robbing all kinds of shit his whole life. Oh, something federal? Yeah. You're facing some years. And like, what? Mail's worth more than me shooting this guy in the face? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's our mail. That's our money and shit. Government bonds? We put bonds? our flag on it. It's shit. kind of federal now, so... What's up? You ever seen that movie, uh, Two Guns? Bill Paxson's character? Basically that federal agent that, oh, you took our money. Putting tax and through index cards and smashing your hand with it. Like, they don't play. Damn. Uh, 1926, he gets transferred to Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. It's called USP Atlanta. It's a giant federal prison. It's also held podcast alums that we've covered. Ignacio the Wolf Lupo went to USP. Charles Harrelson, as well as Whitey Bulger, Jimmy Burke, and Carlo Ponzi. Also known as the Fulton County fucking hotbox. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, a, that's a good starting lineup. It's the third guy we've covered that showed up at USP. Well, and then Harrelson specifically, what was his main? He was just out there being a little nutcase. Like, hey, I killed Kennedy. I did this. I did. Oh, you shot a federal judge? Guess where you're going? Fulton County. Not long after getting transferred to USP Atlanta, he gets words that a guy named Jack Barrett was uh, showing his wife a lot of attention. From federal prison, Chippy reaches out to some of his connections. On November 22nd, 1926, Jack Barrett was found murdered. Dent Colbert gets paroled in 1940. Chippy gets paroled in 1941. Damn. Now, they're both middle-aged. Prohibition's long over for 10 years now. They decide they're going to go back to St. Louis and get the band back together, fire back up the Egan's rats. Problem is now St. Louis is ran by the Chicago outfit. And we're not as sympathetic because World War II is going on in real life right now. So gangster's an okay guy, but if you got that Tommy gun, we feel you should be right. over in the fucking fields of Japan right. or something. Right. Like. right, and in the 1920s, St. Louis was still, from a gangster standpoint, was like the Wild West. Chicago was still straightening itself out. But by the 40s, Chicago was pretty much running everything west of New York. Well, west of New Jersey. St. Louis, that's Chicago outfit territory. And look, Capone liked Egan's rats. He worked with Killer Burt, but... If you can't stay organized, <laughs> yeah. you're no use yeah. to us. They, uh... In fighting and killing feds, that'll get you terminate your contract real quick. Well, I mean, 1940s, what we talked about, that's like Frank Nitti, Paul Ricci, yeah. Tony Accardo. You're going to go tell them, hey, uh, we're putting the Egan's rats back together. Yeah, okay. All right, let's see how that goes. <laughs> I just talked to Lucky Luciano. He said, uh, no. Turns out what you're not doing, putting the Egan's rats back together. Well, in a sense, during your prison sentence, they outgrew you. Like you said, they just said, hey, instead of farming that out, we'll run that ourselves. February 17, 1943, while returning home from a meeting in East St. Louis, uh, Dent Colbeck was machine gunned to death in his car. Chippy is suspected and questioned the murder, but he was never charged. Soon after that, Chippy and what's left of the ex-rats began working for an East St. Louis gangster with connections to the St. Louis mob. A.K.A. falling in line. Yeah. Because they, they would have wound up right here if they didn't. I mean, it's kind of shady. I mean, uh, that was his boy. Kind of got him into it. It is, but, but unless you want to join him in, in your plot right next to his. like, So we start, we'll be here at, at 6 o'clock Monday morning to start work. Is that on a tow truck or something? I think so. Chippy's Model T was found. It almost <laughs> looks like, hey, look at that first issue of Superman over there where the car's up in the air. Like, yeah. you just see Superman right here. <laughs> Chippy basically spent the rest of his life working for the St. Louis mob. In 1944, he was suspected and questioned in the murder of Pat Hogan, but released due to lack of evidence. Two years later, he was charged with extortion, but he beat the case in trial. 
After that, he spent most of his career working as muscle for the labor racket. And once he got old, he retired with a union pension. That's that mob labor shit. Career criminal. Turned 60 years old and retired with a union pension. But, I mean, if you're in the labor racket, that's the benefit, right? That's why I held that no-show job for over 40 years. <laughs> yeah. He died in 1967 of natural causes. Well, two things that are uncommon in a mobster. Well, three if you count getting old, getting a pension, and then dying of natural causes. Most get old school gangsters that were young, hothead, drunk alcoholics, yeah. they, don't, they don't live a long life. Yeah, he's not. He wasn't a thinking man's gangster. He definitely expected that fucking fire to go out a lot quicker. So. Well, when they got settled into their multi-million scheme, he said, you know, I'm going to go back to my bread and butter, which is knuckling faces. <laughs> like, you don't have to do that no more, and that's a lot less money. Yeah, but it's what I like to do. Rob Jack Daniels distilleries and then fucking fuck people up. I've shot the last four people I went drinking with. <laughs> and the guy who said he didn't want to drink with me. Like, I'm thinking about killing you. <laughs> Fuck it, let's get that drink, bro. I got one chance here. It's to make you happy during happy hour. Pile them high and deep. Pour them. Double shots. So that's the story of David Chippy Robinson. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. And we talked about the names earlier. We were talking about, like, they don't know his birthday. He was born David Robeson. His name was David Robinson when one time they made a mistake in booking. And then he just went with by David Robinson from then out. That happened a lot, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Phil Leotardo? <laughs> it's bullshit. Well, yeah, they call it a slip at Ellis Island. Well, Robeson, he gets arrested. They write down the wrong name. Well, guess what? Now you're David Robinson. We threw an end in there for you. Like that, I think that happened to Lucky Luciano, right, or something. They like wrote his name wrong. Yeah, because it was actually Lucana. Yeah. And they just mis mistranslated as yeah, Luciano. Was, yeah. Yeah. The the Italian names are real bad for that because of the accent. Like there was the guy Jack McGurn. His last name was Gibaldi, but they Americanized it to Gibardi because. When white people would pronounce Gibraltar, you know what I mean. You, you, so it's Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Yeah. And don't overlook the fact that these drunk Irish guys were the authorities in New York, so they're the yeah. ones renaming people. Like. <laughs> right. So you're coming with like you know this this language that comes from Latin, full like a language of love and shit, and you're like, hey, well, it's Gibraltar. Gerbardi, <laughs> here you go. Get out of here. You know, what the fuck, dude? That was my name for this. Like, oh, weird. you know what we're going to call you now? A jabroni. Get over <laughs> here. Get over here, me, lad. All right, if we were going to do an episode on someone else from the story of Chippy Robinson, who else do you think we would cover from the story? You said the Tommy Egan guys when they started eating rats, right? Yeah. I'd like to hear more about that, dude. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Just because he was brought up in the story, he was kind of a major part of the story. In this story, there's a plethora. There's a lot of guys. There was so little information on him, I thought Jelly Roll Hogan would have been good. Uh, Max Greenberg, I guess. Maxie? Yeah, Big Maxie. He has a decent story, too. So There's a lot of un like unanswered questions on that, for sure, for him. Yeah, this one has a lot of... Uh... Really good five to seven candidates. And most stories aren't yeah. that deep with the surrounding people that mm -hmm. you can use that many. We'll definitely be talking about like a couple of these dudes yeah. in the future for sure. Now say we was going to make a movie about Chippy Robinson and we had to cast it. You guys haven't seen a picture yet. You guys got a pre-guess before I show you guys a picture? I don't um, even know his name, but he's a little Italian dude. What, what has he been in? Home Alone. 
He's one of the guys trying to break in. He has Joe, like, Pesci? Joe Pesci. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, just all Italian mobster though, because like we were talking about, yeah, Irish mobsters. But once we got you know off subject, we were talking about like you were using a freaking Italian accent. So I'm like, no, no, guy. for sure. <laughs> uh, I was thinking not how he looks now, because in real life he's 80 years old. But like, uh, say 20 years ago, Willem Dafoe, because he's got that uh, dirty blonde hair, that that chiselly face, like you're you're. Cagney would have had. You oh know, yeah. Like... See, I forgot he had, he he did have blonde hair, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm so, just yeah. It said, I'm uh, stereotyped. Said blonde hair, okay, blue yeah. eyes. And so, okay. He's yeah, a... I kind of forgot about that. You said he was an average sized dude, right? Yeah. Uh, blonde hair, blue I, eyes. He's Irish, right? Yeah. I'm picturing like I don't know. I, for some reason, I see like Brad Pitt's character in Snatch. Like you said Jesse McCartney Iron... earlier, guys. <laughs> 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 no, that's a good one though because you. You put you don't you're like not saying Irish Brad Pitt with that long blonde like hair that? like from Legend of the Fall. You're saying like you're putting it in context like the snatch look with the little hat. He was a like an Irish. I, I guess you're not supposed to say gypsy no more, but oh. he was like a well. I mean I don't know grifter. We're, we're going with gypsy, whatever it is. But there was well, the not grifter. Oh uh, shit, I can't remember the word they used in, in snatch was pikeys. That's what pikeys, they call yeah. Pikeys, yeah. Yeah, dags. <laughs> yeah, dags. Well, uh, here's a picture of uh, Chippy Robinson. Hmm. Oh, not Willem Dafoe, but not... <laughs> kind of Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Kev got close with Joe Pesci, yeah, which I'll was weird. Because he didn't even go for the typical Irish look. That's when went... Coats came with the style, guys, right here. Old school mobsters with the season. I believe that, that little fedora, that look, he just looks like you gave him two shots, he'd be beating on your old lady. Like, look at that. Already pulling the Tommy gun off the T-model, you know? <laughs> that hat, that's called, it's called a Humberg. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's uh... yeah, small, it's tighter than a fedora. Yeah. Well, it's got that... that little dent up at the top, you see? It's like a fedora, it's fedora style. Yeah. It's fedora-esque, but it's still like... little silk around me. There's not a whole lot of pictures of them. I found a whole thing on gangsters and Humbergs. And he was there. That's where I found a picture of him. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. The standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1. 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. On the Bad Guy Podcast, nobody's a good guy. 5 is Lee Murray, uh, your crack-dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And then you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they kill people on the streets. So on a scale of 5 to 1, Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rank Chippy Robinson? I'd say Purple Gang. Like you said, he was doing a lot of shootings in the streets. Pretty much just blaming it on other people and just getting away with it. So, so. giving him a one? Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah. i definitely say that. I'm going to give him a two just because when he kills his homeboy, his homeboy's homeboy and his wife to rob them, like, the old lady you could have let go. You know what I mean? And Dude's ruthless, man. He's yeah, that's what, he's a prick. It's a strong two. Like, it's leaning towards a one. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in between. I... He's a I, I want to give him one, one, one but I, I feel like one he's not a one because it would be giving but him too he's much done credit. A lot like, of shit. Yeah, so he's a shit stain. Yeah, he's definitely definitely a two. I was thinking he's one. I mean, he's got the body count. He's killed a lot of people. A lot for no reason is my when just when, ruthless. That's why I gave when him I get into one, it, like right. So that Even makes it that so makes ruthless. him worse. Is that's I, what I, I think. Is it makes him worse? Is that if he was here he's today, like the ultimate bad guy, he will kill. Yeah, he didn't he give will a kill. Fuck. He will kill his buddy if, like, well, you want to start the Egan's Rat Gang, and turns out they want us to join the mafia, so we got to kill you and join the mafia. Well, we get up to the resort in Chicago, and he's <laughs> like, we're having Done. drinks and shit, and he's like, hey, you know, to be honest with you, 
I'm thinking about fucking killing you pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, hey, dude, we're, we're partying, man. We're, fucking, we're playing pool right we're now. We're chilling. We're at a resort, bro. Yeah. We're getting nails done yeah. and shit. We're getting Manny Petties. He, he's a one for sure. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I'm about gonna, I'm gonna change my number. Only reser- I I'm only reserve. I only I'm telling you, he was ruthless. Like, yeah. That's why I gave him number one, because he was ruthless. I feel yeah. like if he could morph, if he was here in our time, he would want to be a one, so I'm just holding it back. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go with the DEFCON one. All right. Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. So we got an email from Blaz in Modesto, California. What up, Blaz? It says, uh, in the Vernon Miller episode, you guys mentioned possibly covering Harvey Bailey, the Dean of American Bank Robbers. Or as J-Bone calls him, the Dean of Mean Train Robin Scheme. <laughs> I don't... Robin Scheme. I don't think that he's interested enough for a whole episode, but there is a fact that is important to the show since Killer Burke is basically a reoccurring character. In his 1973 autobiography, he insists that him and Burke were together planning a robbery 20 miles south of Chicago when the St. Valentine's Day massacre occurred. Sorry to throw a wrench into the Killer Burke shooter theory, but I thought it needed to be said. Well, that's definitely jogging like the mind. Like that's sweet. Like that's the kind of feedback I look for. Like because that falls under rumor has it, but it, enough realism to like go back and revisit that particular scene i mean i think obviously i mean we're talking about fucking bank robbers and killers i mean they probably yeah. say all types of different shit so i mean if you're gonna sell some books mm-hmm. you know you probably would say like for sure you know it's a I'm way just to trying it. to compliment the uh the fan on the homework there like that's real mm-hmm. killer like have you had like any gangsters mobsters or anything that had popped up in multiple stories yeah, oh, yeah, that that yeah. that what the fans talking about, Fred Burke. Yeah, he connects that. to a lot of different things on the Italian and Jewish side. Yeah, Killer Burke worked with the Purple Gang in Detroit, but then he also worked with Capone in Chicago. Well, and we didn't even start it on purpose. We just started picking interesting stories. But like as we get into it, that's one of the things you realize. So all of a sudden, there's like this. It's like a tree of characters that keep growing out of the same story. You know, so like okay, Fred yeah. Burke's like uh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> the six degrees of Uncle Fred. <laughs> Killer Fred Bacon. <laughs> Killer Fred Bacon. <laughs> Before we go, you guys got anything? No, just thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, the other thing, uh, we got new listeners. Oh. So we was in eleven countries for a long time, right? Wow. We got downloads in Malaysia. I know who J Bone is? In yes. Malaysia. J Bone, right? <laughs> yeah. Do. In Malaysia. <laughs> And I know the deep jungles and the anacondas that go down there. Like so, like it's a mutual thing with Malaysia. The second most downloaded country we are in. It was uh, it was Ireland, but yeah. So uh, we got a ton of listeners in Malaysia, like all over Malaysia. They really just like to hear us talk shit. Yeah. Well, cheers, Malaysia. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, and we got downloads in Iowa. So now we uh, Iowa, Iowa. What's there? Isn't that where Superman's from? Don't. Is, put... I, he's from, nah. is he from Iowa? I thought he was from Kansas. <laughs> Oh, it's super from Kansas, I think. You know what's from Iowa? Potatoes. Potato? That's Idaho, but like <laughs> What Iowa is from is Iowa? Uh, Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes? Well, I mean, that's by far the best thing they got. Big Ten that's school. It. Iowa can that's play it. ball and shit. Uh, I'd go with the Militich camp. But... Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. MMA Bettendorf, Iowa. I changed my mind. Yeah. Militich camp. That's what we're known for. Iowa Hawkeyes in the Militich camp. Lee Murray ties back into the show. Now we got listeners in every state except... Hawaii and both the Dakotas. Ah, oh. so get your shit together. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah, Malaysia, you shit about fucking... Iowa, buddy. Yeah. The Dakotas. This is the Black Hills. This is the Mount Rushmore <laughs> of 
gangster ass podcast. So like, get with the program. <laughs> I understand both states combined have like a population of three hundred fifty people, but listen to this shit, man. What else? Are you, what are you guys listening to in fucking <clears throat> Bucksnort, fucking South Dakota? Send it to somebody in Hawaii. My my family's Hawaii. We have family <laughs> there. <laughs> Mahalo. Yeah, and the Dakotas. Mahalo. I think Vern Miller was from one of the Dakotas. Nobody else is talking about Vern Miller, South Dakota. <laughs> there was a fucking. They just call. They said, "Be fair." When they get internet, they'll listen to us. There. <laughs> hey, color TV's coming next next year to the Dakotas, like. But yeah, so thank you, Malaysia, and fucking. Uh, I'm gonna find a fucking criminal from Malaysia. We're gonna talk about that motherfucker. This is say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening. KDZ out. To the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. Oh. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on the race while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money grab the hundred hams. I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie for you meet your dead homie. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I like my money at a fast pass. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy.